I think no matter how old you are, whether you're 19 or 90, when you go back and think about your time as a middle school student, who you were as a 13-year-old, what was interesting to you, how you dealt with people, I don't think anyone is 100% super duper proud of everything that they did back then. And I think what's great about today's movie is that it's a big warm hug and says, I know, but don't worry because we noticed the other good things that you did too, that you had affections and you had cares and you had loves and we made this gentle portrait of what that looked like. And so if you're looking for a film that has a warm outlook on the awkward years of being a teenager, this movie does it and does it beautifully because it's from Studio Ghibli, which may I say is just the gorgeous of gorgeousness when it comes to animation. So today's film, very special, Studio Ghibli's Whisper of the Heart. Welcome, everybody, to A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms, a.k.a. The Rom-Com Gents, a.k.a. Ryan Fixes His Microphone Stand. Weeku, 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 wee! That's my squeaky microphone stand. Oh. <laughs> Ryan was, uh, you, you, you guys weren't here. Ryan was um, waving his hand in the air like there was a sideways record that he was scratching. Like, I just don't care. Because I was in the air. The hands? Yeah. The wave in the air? Yeah. Anyways. I think our audience doesn't... I don't think they care. ...care about this. No. Kel- uh, or who's editing this one? You're editing this one? Ryan from the future? Keep this in. I am. This is quality content. I'm making you listen to it all. Welcome, though. We're, we're a couple of guys listening to a baby scream in the background. Uh, do you want to tell them what you just saw on my shoulder? On your shoulder? Oh, yeah. Ryan's baby bit him. Ryan's baby is a vampire. <laughs> Um, we sh- have we seen any vampire babies in movies? We aren't sure. So horror fans, tell us, are well, there vampire babies? Let's let's play this out for a second. Let's say you're a vampire and you're like, mmm, baby, tasty. Um, can the do- vampires procreate? No, vampires can't procreate. They're so undone. they're like zombies. They they like make more vampires by like. Vamp- we need to we need to take you to vampire I do school. Do not watch horror movies. So vampires. Um, they, they would have to bite you and turn you by, like, I mean, depending on the lore, you'd have to suck their blood, right? Right. Why didn't we bring this up on the the uh, Twilight podcast? Yeah. Anyway. Wait, so don't Bella, don't she have a baby? Don't she have a vampire baby? I think eventually. Okay. Vampire baby. Vampire baby! I think it's different for different universes, but you're right. We should interrogate this later. <laughs> but no, my but my point is, let's say you're the vampire that can't reproduce. Okay. Okay. You, you, you can't, you can't say, mm, I'm going to the, the sperm bank uh, right. and, and I'm getting some human sperm. Yeah. You, you have to change them by biting them. Right. And not sucking them dry. It's kind of like 
you have to pass on the vampire antibodies. It's kind of like blood. That. It's kind of like that. What? What's the, if you're doing it because you can't grow as a vampire, right? You are what you are for the rest of time. You can grow into a bat. You you can, but if like, let's say you're a vampire and you're like, I want a baby. You're going to have a baby the rest of your undead, the the rest of your undead. The baby don't grow? The baby don't grow. Baby don't grow. So this is why vampires don't change babies because having a baby is great, but then they're going to have to have a baby for ever. Right. That makes sense. I feel like what we do in the shadows probably touches on this. Or if you haven't, guys, hit us up. We'll write you an episode. Hey, speaking of vampires... Have you seen our Patreon lately, Kelly? No. Is is um, is something rising from the grave? None. None of that. None of that. Uh, the words coming from Mr. Graves. Oh, nice. Good spin. What kind of what kind of words? Uh, you just read it. You got to oh, tell yeah. the people you. So just read. so Ryan uh, wrote this article this week that is uh, top five rom coms that would have changed everything if they starred Tom Hanks. And um, just I don't, give them the first one. I don't want to taste. Okay, so the first one's as good as it gets, and you basically say that you know if Tom Hanks played this role, uh, the character of Melvin Udall would have been a little bit more likable at the end. Like we could have rooted for him. Mm-hmm. I think you make great points. I don't want to spoil it for everybody by revealing all else. the other ones. Don't say anything else. It's but up on the Patreon if you want to check it out. It's number one you. is my favorite. I'm just gonna say it's kind of a clumps situation where there's yeah. lots of Tom Hanks's involved. Yeah. Um, Feels like we're talking about multiplicity, but we're not. Yeah, I was just going to say. But yeah, you can check that out at patreon.com backslash romcom gents, where we have this week premiered today, as you're listening to this, mm-hmm. uh, our second bonus episode, which is Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman! They should do a mashup of the 70s song with the new song. Oh, I'm sure somebody's got to have done that. Wonder Woman! Did you watch the Linda Carter Wonder Woman? Uh, I, I watched a little bit on Nick at Night. Yeah, I caught a couple episodes at my grandparents' house. Uh, and then we also have, we should have a new poll, too. We don't know what's, do we know what's on the poll? Yeah, we do, actually. Uh, Down with Love, The Best Man, Always Be My Maybe, and Return to Me are going to be chosen by you. The listener, but more specifically, you, the Patreon, the, <laughs> the listener who will then be patron. You'll have most of next month to pick out that movie. And so, you know, if you if you love what you're hearing, not right now, but generally speaking, like because this has all been like pretty bad. But if you like what we do, <laughs> usually, then um, come check us out on Patreon. Like you can you can be a member who votes with just the most minimal amount of money. Mm-hmm. By just supporting a couple of guys whose wives want us to start making money doing this because we spend too much time. Yeah, you know, feed our children. Y- well, child. Yeah, Curren- child. currently, child. currently, currently. Who knows? Who knows though? Who knows? Maybe if you give us enough money, we'll have more children. Maybe that's it a, makes that's it possible ascent- for us to procreate. Okay, hold on. There's going to be a extended goal. Where if we get a certain amount of listeners, Ryan we'll, will have a second child. We will procreate. Yeah. <laughs> Not so, you and I. No. Well, I mean, I mean we can figure could it out. Be, we could adopt. You could be. Yeah. Yeah. You could be there. Yeah. <laughs> Come along. What if, okay, what if Robin and I had a kid, you and Sarah have your kid, and then you and I have a kid where it's just <gasps> you and I have joint custody? The conservatives have had such problems with that. I don't care. When, and we'd be like, you know what? Family's family. Yeah. Um, what movie are we watching this week? Speaking of family. Uh, well, it was a patron, patron's choice this week. Patron's choice. It's Whisper of the Heart. Our first anime film. First of many? 
I hope so. I hope so. We need to add more anime to our list. Yeah. Because I know that there's more out there that qualify as like romance or rom-coms. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to it. Tell me a story. Okay. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. Ask about love. Probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. Whisper the Heart, written by Hayao Miyazaki, directed by some guy who didn't direct anything else because he died in 1998. Well, I mean, this might be, he might have made many more good films after this. No, I looked it up. He didn't really have anything after no, this. No, I mean, had he not died. Oh, I know. He, he was just like one of the guys in the like bullpen of Studio Ghibli. And I don't know, do you know what the behind the scenes was for like why this guy got to direct it? No, Yoshifumi Kum, uh, Kondo is his name, though, and I don't know why, but I'm really glad he did. Yeah. Spoiler alert, like, I like this movie. Yeah, but he's he's got a bunch of credits on all the other Ghibli films, so he's he yeah, definitely he was in, he was in the story department and the art department, Yeah, right? Yeah, and so, gr- great director. Wish I would have gotten to see more of his stuff. Yeah. You died too soon. Kondo? Mr. Yoshifumi? Kondo. <laughs> Uh, so we we meet uh, the main character. Her name is Shizuku. Shizuku. She's uh, in junior high school, mm-hmm. and she's you know a pretty average Tokyo. This is set in Tokyo, right? Yeah, yeah. Set in Tokyo. Just, I think it's in the suburbs. Yeah, yeah, suburbs of Tokyo. Uh, she's just an average student. Uh, she she's creative. She's working on like um, the the school like song like she's writing the lyrics to like the school for graduation, graduation song, right yeah which is, is pretty cool that's really cool i we didn't have any graduation songs but that would have been cool yeah yeah we just sang that stupid graduation song you know that most of like i like the fact that she's riffing like no no eighth grader is good at writing songs and so i like that she's riffing on a song a la john denver john denver Which is weird because it's John Denver in the Japanese version. Like it's yeah. not it's not like they Americanized this thing where mm-hmm. she's like, uh, I'm going to do like a take on John Denver's uh, song. This I I'm I've got to believe that this is Miyazaki loving John Denver, which is cool. Yeah. You know we we learn about her and we learn about her friend and her friend's got a crush on one of the boys in school and they kind of talk about that and. You know, the Yuko, Yuko is her friend, Yuko, her friend. And I feel like the first act, we're just kind of getting the slice of life where we see her life at middle school. She's in junior high. We see her life at home and she's kind of living in this cramped apartment. That's why I think it's a little bit more, not super suburban Tokyo, but a little bit more urban. It's a, it's a big, bigger city where she's living in an apartment. Right. I mean, I've, I've looked at a lot of apartments recently around Portland and you can find cramped apartments. Yeah. All over the city, yeah, and the suburbs, because uh, her dad's a perf- no, her dad's a librarian, and her mom's a. Do we get teacher? what her mom does? I think she's a teacher. Maybe I think. Oh, I don't think so. I think she'd be on her more about her grades. Like she's on her enough, but I think she'd be on her more. Yeah, uh, but the big thing we learn is that she's this avid reader, and she keeps checking out all these books from the library, and she's finding this boy's name has checked out all these books. Seiji she, Amasawa. Amasawa has been checking out all the books. Hot that she damn, wants. Seiji Amasawa. Amasawa. 
Uh, not only that, but she sees that the book that she just got that she fell in love with was donated by Seiji Yamasawa. Yeah. He's kids all over the place. And she doesn't know who he is, but she does that thing where she she feels a connection, right? It's one of the most romantic connections you can feel where you don't, you don't know who this person is, but you already know that you have something in common. And so- Because we read the same books. We read the same books, but not just a couple, a lot of them. All of the books. And it's not that- you like the same books, it's that you've been liking the same books at the exact same time or like near enough the same time. Right. So, so he's probably her age ish. Yeah. Yeah. And like, if I, if this happened to me when I was in seventh grade, I would be, I would be as avarice, not av- voracious. I would be as curious. Avuncular? I would be idealizing this person as much as she does because oh, she, yeah. she basically is like, great. This is the beginning of a good love story. This is what writers do. This is how crazy we are. We're like, our lives should be a story. And so I'm going to imagine that my love is going to happen after I meet this guy who's been checking out all these books. He's going to be perfect for me. And I'm in junior high, so it makes total sense that it'll last forever. Right. And, you know, she she doesn't like come out and say all of this because this movie's very quiet and we're kind of in her in her space and seeing her kind of detective who this Seiji Amasawa person is, but it, it, we get it. We, we kind of understand that she is just curious to the point of just wanting to maybe fall in love with this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we understand that she's doing okay in classes, but she reads too much. So she's not doing as well as she could be. <laughs> Okay, how do you Which feel? Which is you. I, how do you feel about this? Well, I didn't read too much in high school. And when I was in college, I was an English major, and so I was totally read out. So I was getting distracted by watching movies in college. So Right, right. But you were wanting to read the fantasy stories. And I only read. Yeah, yeah. I, I think my I, I got good grades until high school. And then in high school, I got like, I was mainly a B student because I didn't care about that as much as reading. Yeah. Yeah, basically. And so I saw myself a lot in um, Shizuku. Yeah. So I, I don't think I'm skipping anything when she meets the cat, right? Yeah. Okay. So this is a Miyazaki movie. And if you haven't seen any other Miyazaki movies, there's almost always got to be a cat. Oh, did we also mention that this is fully animated? Like if you don't oh, yeah, know this who is that an is, this film. is an Sorry. animated film. So when we say things like she meets the cat, this could happen in, in you know, a live action movie, but it's a Miyazaki film. It's animated. This is done by Studio Ghibli. We've probably said this already, but in case we didn't. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. And so she like meets this cat on a train as she's going to deliver lunch to her dad at the the library. And and we kind of find out that like, you know, she's got a sister who you know, is off doing her own thing, but is older than her. And her mom and her dad, like, are doing their own thing. This this family's life is very uh, independent, Yeah, I would say. And so she, like, goes across town. She's a city girl. She, like, takes a train by herself. And she's, like, in seventh grade. She, I don't know seventh grade. She's, I don't know how junior high works in Japan. When did you start high school? I started high school in 10th grade. See, I started in ninth grade. I think she's 7th, 8th grade. Okay. But she's on this train and she sees this cat, this great, awesome, grumpy cat. Yeah, very grumpy cat. Who we come to know as Moon. But she is so curious. I think I think she's so curious because she's got this sagey itch that she just can't quite scratch. And so she's like, you're a cat I don't know. I'm going to follow you. <laughs> Who the heck are you and why are you riding this train? Because the cat seems to know what it's doing with the with the train. This is a smart cat. Yeah. 
Um, and didn't the scene remind you so much of Spirited Away? Oh, yeah. Uh, Spirited Away, another Ghibli movie. Highly recommend everybody go see that. That's the first movie to win the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature. Oh, cool. It's just like like the cells that they use in that scene where you where you get like the live action people and then the train set and then the two different um, mm-hmm. cells of like the background moving against each other and just kind of getting this train going by. It's really beautiful animation. Really one, well done. But she follows this cat all the way through all these neighborhoods um, further than maybe a seventh grader should follow a cat. Yeah, she just kept going and going. <laughs> I'm like, aren't you going to get lost? And I feel like, did I get that distracted when I was in junior high? Because like I would be able to walk to like our grocery store outlet mall area, mm-hmm. but that's the farthest I would get distracted. Like I wouldn't go past that. That's think, the farthest I'd go. I think Shizuku has an adventurous spirit. Oh yeah. I would not describe you as having an adventurous spirit. No, no, no. You're, you're a, um, want to go home and play super Nintendo kind of guy. Well, yeah, but like your library is at home. This is where you have your adventures. Yes. Whereas she's she's kind of the romantic kind of like me, where she's like, I want those, but then I want my life to be like that. Well, you know what? I did have these adventures when I first moved to Portland, because discovering Portland and all of Northwest and Southwest Portland, that was really fun to just kind of walk the streets and be like, oh, hey, cool. Another coffee shop I didn't know about. And like, there's a bar here and there's a restaurant there. And so I had that. But I was a grown man. Well, so when Ryan and I, uh, anecdote for when Ryan and I first moved here, because uh, we moved here together into the same apartment, and we we both went looking for jobs right away, and we're wearing like you know job interview clothes. And Portland is a town that doesn't dress up for basically anything. Nothing. Like unless there's a ball going on, you're not dressing up. Right. And so we we were looking a little too nice for downtown yeah. at like three in the morning one day when like we had gone looking for work and hadn't found work, and then we were walking home after like going to a bar and spending like the last of our money probably. Yeah. And do you remember when like some, somebody asked us for money and we were like, sorry, we don't have, and the person was just like, fuck you, you have money, you're super rich. <laughs> and I don't remember that, but I was probably, I probably blacked out. I got so scared. We, 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 we just like shuffled on really quick, but, um, the, uh, like it, it really taught me not to wear like the best clothes I have to go out in downtown Portland because it really gives a false perspective of how much money I had. Yeah. And then like the next day we both got giant tote bins and grabbed some books to sell at Pals because we needed cash. Yes, very much so. Like <laughs> we, we were like, OK, well, we bought all of these for school. Can't have these anymore. Yeah. And it was like a 20 block walk and we were holding these totes, which were like. 40 pounds worth of books. I got rid of piece. my Nortons that that same month we moved to Portland. Probably regret that. Mm, I'm okay with it. I actually think Nortons are useful for learning, but trash outside of a learning institution. Wow. 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 Uh, she follows this cat. She gets to this bend in the neighborhood. Yes. And I love the like architectural, like the city design. Just very... I like imaginative. This is one of my favorite things to do in a new city is to get lost, get lost, find. No, I told you get lost. We're done. Oh, (laughs) is well, just to walk through neighborhoods and then go down a street. I haven't been down before. Even if it's the city I live in, just be like, I haven't been down here. Check out these houses. Yeah. And so she does. And she finds this antique shop and she kind of stumbles into it and she finds this cat statue. Yeah, the Baron, yes. voiced in English by Carrie Elwes from the Princess which, Bride. Man, 
that guy's voice. It's so rich and comforting. It's like coming home yeah. hearing his voice. It's very it's very smooth and gentle. As you wish. But she finds this cat and then she meets the owner of the antique shop and he's a kindly old man who's like fixing a clock and he's just a nice guy. And then as she's leaving this shop, she runs into none other but wait. We well, haven't even talked about her meeting Seiji. She met this boy, Seiji, a little, like a couple days before, and he was reading her lyrics. To Country Road, her graduation her song. Her graduation song, and was like teasing her. Yeah. And she he, was like, you meanie. He, like, he kind of teases her. Him? He kind of teases her in a flirty way. She, she, He's like, man, your lyrics are super corny. And yeah. she's like, uh, stupid, stupid. What? Stupid guy, something. Yeah, stupid boy. But it was such a junior high, like, you know, pulling on pigtails kind of flirting. It is. It, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's like one of those things where it like attacks your pride and that's the, that's the most sensitive part of you in seventh grade. Yeah. So, you know, Seiji Amasawa, Machiavellian. Yeah. But this boy, you know, starts teasing her at school and she decides that she, you know, hates him. And I don't want to, for, for those of you who haven't seen it, I don't want to give the impression that he's like, like, like going after her he just says it in a really cool like he insults He's teasing her. her it's just fun teasing yeah he insults her in a way that like who's the most charming like he's he insults her in kind of a jude law way like if jude yeah. law insulted you this is probably how he'd do it <laughs> walking kind of like, away and like waving at you and insulting your work it's kind of like if you're in the holiday and you're cameron diaz and jude jude law comes in and like uh, gives you a light teasing are you gonna be that mad message hey ryan this is your girlfriend and i'm mad this is the second time after she leaves the antique shop she runs into this boy again who she doesn't know is seiji at this point in time yeah and she just knows that she doesn't like him right and then he gives her a ride right uh oh no 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 she just leaves in a huff because he's a a butthead and then she but she of course because she's like me she leaves stuff everywhere yeah right this is this is my thing very much and uh she gets to the library having forgotten her dad's lunch the whole reason she's got on this trip anyway i i wanted her dad to be like where were you it's four (laughs) o'clock um but seiji brings it to her before she goes in and um then afterwards he's like hey that's a huge lunch which again not nice to do to a seventh grade girl (laughs) but um it only further kind of like deepens this this i would is this a love-hate relationship at this point i mean uh, not on the surface but underneath do you think that she is like like a little bit interested in this guy who keeps being mean to her. He's kind of nagging her. I don't want to. I don't want to presuppose the psychology of a seventh grade girl because mm. I. That's fair. I didn't understand girls up until today. He's not nice, but he is charming. This is what we know so far. And she's, you know, like saying he's stupid and all these things, but she's yeah. kind of like, come on, <laughs> you kind of like. Uh, Maybe we. I don't want. I, I don't want to presuppose either. Yeah. Um. So. What happens is, uh, gosh, it gets kind of complicated because it gets into the realism of like being a 14 year old girl at junior high school. Right. Because like there's lots of other little things that happen. Like her friend has this crush on the boy, but she doesn't know how to like, but she, she's dealing with another boy who has a crush on her and she doesn't know what she's supposed to do with that. And she has this like conflict with the boy that she likes no, no. So Yuko, her friend, uh, likes Sujimura. 
Oh, yeah. um, and he likes uh, Shu. Sh- Sh- now I forgot her name. Shizuku. Shizuku. And and our main so character. so there's like a love triangle subplot here. And it's such a junior high thing where it's like, well, I like you. Don't you like me? It's like, ah, uh, no, I well, don't know. And, he, and he, he brings out the capital L word where he's like, I love you and I've loved you forever. And um, she's like, ah, this is the worst. It, it's it's this very realistic junior high stuff. And it it's not only realistic in its portrayal, but... I like how they handle things too, mm-hmm. because he does that thing that young boys are wants to do where she's like, sorry, this isn't going to work. And she leaves and then he grabs her wrists and he's like, no, come on, we can do this. And she's like, no, you know, this isn't going to work. I'm not going to date you because she's my best friend. Mm-hmm. And then he accepts it and let's go. And like, that's one of those, those things that felt very seventh, eighth grade to me. I never got that far. I didn't. Even, I didn't even confess my my love for any girls. I just leered at them from far away. I wonder why that didn't work out for me. Um, what's going on here is a little bit pervy, wouldn't you say? <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, everyone. Um, I was an awkward teenager. We all were at some point in time. We have. I think, um, regardless of your particular gender identity, you've probably leered at somebody. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't think. You never leered. People out there. (laughs) You're leers too. You people. When you were 13, you didn't know how to handle it. Everybody leered. You know what? But you can call me King Lear. No, don't call me King Lear. (laughs) Don't call me King Lear. Should I call you Romeo? No, because he dies. Oh. Oh, you haven't seen? How about Mercutio? He dies too, right? I don't know. Curse on all your houses, on both your houses. That's Mercutio, right before he dies, right? Oh yeah, yeah. How about how about Macbeth? I'll be Macbeth. He dies too. Oh, Othello. Mm, he dies too. Man, you are not a lucky soldier if you're Falstaff. in a sh- Falstaff. You can be Falstaff. I'll be Falstaff. Idiot, but alive. Yeah, Falstaff. Falstaff does nothing but leer at people too, so he's yeah. kind of the king leer. Yeah. Anyway, this is way off topic. <laughs> um, what develops over the next like hour of script here is. She finds out that this guy's Seiji Amasawa, while at the same time kind of visiting the grandpa who owns the antique shop. And as she's kind of falling in love with Seiji, who makes violins and is a total hottie, Mm -hmm. she is also kind of like learning about what it means to be true to yourself, true to yourself, a writer, like a young person trying to figure out what you want to do with your life. Yeah. So she starts writing and she even makes a deal with her parents. Like, I don't know what their deal was, but they were like, yeah, you can write and still be kind of a fuck off at school. Well, you know, she, she doesn't even tell them they're concerned because at one point in time, the mom is brought into school and like she has to address the fact that, um, Shizuku has bad grades. Right. Yeah. And um, then her parents sit her down later and are just like after after her and her sister have this like really real sister fight and they sit her down and they're like, what if why are you slacking off so much? And Shizuku is really plain faced about the fact that she's like, look, I'm trying to do this thing where I write a story, but she doesn't say write a story. She's just like, I have a goal I want to accomplish. And. I think this is all my parents wanted to hear from me when I was in eighth grade, that I had a goal I wanted to accomplish. I don't think so. I think they still would have been like, no, you have to get A's. Then we can talk about whatever. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, that's true as well. But uh, like I didn't, I think the 
only way you can get away with something like this is having the right set of parents. Yeah. And then also having having a goal. Because as a seventh grader, if your goal is to just futz off, like your parents are gonna be like, no, do do your schoolwork. Yeah. But um if you're like, no, I have something that's very important to me that I want to accomplish, I don't know. I I can see myself being bent to the whim of a seventh grader at that point. I think you could be you could be you could be whimmed. I could be. I could be. But I could be whimmed. Why is she doing this? We kind of skipped over wh- like why she thinks it's important to write right now because she's been interested in writing. She loves books, but why write now? So she sees in this boy that she first started hating, but then starts to develop this crush on that he has this skill set and this desire to be a violin maker, and he has a very gentle spirit when he's when he's working on violins, and it's mm-hmm. very. It's very sweet. And he plays violin too. Yeah. And she's she's affected by how passionate he at he is about it, so much so that he's basically already figured out the trajectory for himself of like, I'm gonna go study with the masters in Italy and like that's what I'm gonna do, and I'm gonna do everything I can to go study with them so I can mm-hmm. build better violins. And she's like, Wow, I I don't have that kind of passion and he really makes he doesn't make her, but he gets to impart this kind of like inspiration to her that she I, wants to do something. I really like this psychology too. Don't you like he, he starts off as a person who is critical of her, right? Cause he calls her lyrics corny at one point in time. Yeah. And it's the first interaction they have where he's like, this is your book. Oh, love your lyrics. Super corny. <laughs> yeah. And then she goes home and writes them. Right. Mm-hmm. And before she thought her lyrics were bad, uh, even when she showed them to her best friend, Yuko, and then after that, she goes home and rewrites them. And all of her friends are like, this is great. Mm-hmm. Like you've written something good. Yeah. And she wouldn't have like been kind of inspired to do that if she hadn't have found somebody who was kind of critical of her work, which as a writer, I'm going to say, I don't improve unless there's somebody who's actually kind of critical of what I'm doing. Right. Um, it's not that I want everybody to be critical all the time of everything that I write, but you have those people in your life that make you better by being a little bit critical. And we can tell that all of her friends are just like, you're the best. You're always writing and you're always doing the stuff. You're amazing. And what Seiji brings into this equation is a little bit of a whetstone for her to sharpen herself on. Yeah. She ends up doing that to herself as well. But I think like he he still calls them corny, but he's like, why don't you sing them? I'm going to play like this violin and I want you to sing your lyrics. Mm-hmm. And she ends up singing them. And then when he goes away to Italy to like learn to be a violin maker, which sounds so soapy when but I say it out loud, but it is cool. It is really cool. <laughs> and she's like, you know what? I'm going to apply myself as well. And so she does that have to impress him, but also to, find worth in herself where she thinks he's so cool. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to be cool. I want to be that cool. I want to be that that cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so she writes a fantasy story, which stars the Baron, this cat statue, which is voiced by Carrie Elwes. Right. And And there's, it's it's this light fantasy. Yeah. We don't really know what it's about. we, We just know that there's like these, this society of magicians who have like made like, they they imbue everything with magic and we don't really know, but it just seems so wonderful, but it seems like the mind of an eighth grader. And it's where we bring in the like true Miyazaki design 
we see this fantasy world that she's figured out for herself. And yeah, where there's like floating worlds that just float in the sky. I mean, it's very castle in the sky, right? Very castle in the sky, but also was reminded of spirited away when we get those more zoomed out shots of this, this weird society. Right. I, I mean, and this story is kind of extrapolated into the cat returns, which is a movie that comes later on. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, well, like, I, I oh, don't... Oh, I'm so excited I've now. only seen Cat Returns once. I didn't like it as much as this movie, but I'm interested to go back after having watched this as, again. Wait, like, the Cat Returns? The cat is... I think the the Baron is a, uh, the main character of that is story. Is the cat that returns? Perhaps. I can't remember. Okay. Don't quote me on this. But she, she writes this story, and we also, in true Miyazaki fashion, um, or maybe true um yoshifumi fashion we we get like kind of this other sub romance plot where the grandfather who owns this lovely little shop on the top of the hill um he owns the baron and we get this backstory that there's this other figurine that is the baron's match and he's been you know searching for it for a long time or you know the baron is just waiting for this this matching statuette figurine mm-hmm. and what we get in a backstory later on is that this woman that he fell in love with pre-World War II in Germany, the grandpa, this woman that he fell in love with. Um, they were in Germany together. They were in Germany together. They fell in love. He took the um, the Baron the Baron, and she had the other one. I think her name's like Vi- Violetta or something. Yeah. Can't remember. And, or it's maybe it's the Baroness. And they were going to meet up, but then he never heard from her again after the war. And so it's kind of presumed that she died. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad and it's like such a big story wrapped up in this tiny, tiny story, like subplot of a man. And it's just such a beautiful little thing embedded in this other story, which is just this beautiful little story about a junior high girl figuring stuff out. Yeah. And so while Seiji's gone, she works on this story and her grades dip a little bit more. And then she brings her story to... The old grandpa. And he reads it. Yeah. And she's like, it's horrible. <laughs> this is the worst. And we're all like, we've been there. Yeah. We've been there. As a writer, I felt this in my bones. Yeah. Like, because, you know, unless somebody is like, this is perfect. This is the perfect thing ever. If you're a first time writer, you're destroyed by whatever anybody says. Yeah. Like a, like the smallest, like they could be like, this is the greatest thing I've ever read. And then they could like look to the side. <laughs> that look to the side kills you. Yeah. <laughs> But he kind of coddles her afterwards and he's like, he's got this whole metaphor going where he has like this geode and he's like, you know, the best parts of the geode are hidden down deep. So you got to look for them and refine them. And Best advice ever. Yeah. Like if you're a, a budding writer, young person listening to this podcast, or even a budding writer who is older, like go watch this movie because it's filled with like little insights that I wish I knew when I was 13. Well, anything that you're working on that you want to be good at creatively, like if you want to be the best saxophone player in the world, you got to work at it and work at it and work at it like yeah. a painfully long time. It feels like like we've been writing, I've been writing since I got out of college and it's like, can I be good now yet? And yeah. it's just like, no. Well, we're never going to think we're good. Yeah, that's yeah. the tragedy. Um, but yeah. We'll get so, to think that we're okay. Yeah, we're going to think that we're we're it, when somebody pays us we're going to think well we fooled them <laughs> <laughs> got them so um after all this happens Seiji Seiji and her kind of like before he goes off to Italy they're 
they have like these really sweet moments where it's like obvious that even though they've only known each other really a short time, they're falling in love. Definitely how crushes work. Yes. He leaves. And when he comes back, they like her sister's already moved out and she's, you know, deciding that she's going to continue to go to high school and she's going to get her grades done because she's finally finished the story. But, you know, she can put it behind her because she knows that she needs to get better at writing before she can just like commit herself to writing, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, and then Seiji comes back and they have like this thing where he brings her to a vista, which I've done. <laughs> like this is this is Kelly Romance 101. <laughs> go to a vista via a bike. And confess your love. And confess your love. And there's a beautiful view. Because, I mean, it's kind of corny, but it's one of those things that we as human beings don't, we we can find beauty in the small moments, but every once in a while, like being wooed via something dramatic, even if it's as simple as going to a place, is kind of special. Yeah. And this movie gets at that. Yeah. And then he says he loves her and she's like, you know, I think I can love you too. And then he's like we're going to be great. We should get married one day. And then the movie basically ends, which is so seventh grade, right? Yeah. 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 That, and that's, that's it. That's it. That's the film. It's a very gentle story. It's very, very appropriate. I don't, I think let's get, let's get into the first like elephant in the room aspect to it of the target audience of this movie and how it feels differently from other movies about teenagers. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Okay. That's what I decided that we should do. We should talk about it. I think I think what we need here is a spectrum mm-hmm. from and I think you've set it up perfectly in in your one blog post that you did about this. You need a spectrum of to all the boys, yep, characters and and movie style to breakfast club. Yep. Okay. And those are two ends of the teenage spectrum right there Yeah, where breakfast club is very emotionally raw and real, but you know, what comes with that is also ends up being like, you know, some problematic stuff, um, and some like, you know, characters who aren't perfect. Um, but realness comes with that. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you kind of have to all the boys I loved before where you've got. You're whoa, 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 hey, Peter Kaminsky's. Hey, whoa, 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 hey, what's going on, what's going on? And then you have your Laura Jeans and everybody's living in this bubble of perfection where, you know, high school is a place where there's very few antics or anything, but it's it's just a, a nice place where people learn to grow up a little bit. Yeah, and I, I think uh, you do have Mean Girls and 10 Things I Hate About You in there, which is... Where they're, I don't know. They're, they're in I the think middle? they're they're kind of they're to either side. I think um, Ten Things is a little bit towards Breakfast Club compared to Mean Girls because Mean Girls gets at some serious, significant truths about teenagers. It, it you know it really does actually, and but it at the same time is kind of goofy sometimes too. Its drama isn't that real. Its insights are real, but yes. you're never you're never really concerned dramatically for these characters the way that unless I, they're hit by a bus. Yeah, but I care. <laughs> about Joseph Gordon-Levitt like succeeding in 10 Things I Hate About You. I don't super care about Caddy. Katie. Caddy. Caddy. <laughs> I don't really care about her succeeding, but I am I am having a good time. Yeah, yeah. And um, the same thing with Tola Boys. I'm having a good time. I really don't care where things are going. Exactly. But, but, but in this movie, it feels like it's the perfect middle ground almost. Uh, yeah. 
And it's also the there's an age appropriateness to it. It's very G rated in its its content. Well, it is G rated, literally. Mm-hmm. And Disney's like, you got any G rated movies but back it, there, Japan? But it doesn't. It really doesn't feel immature. No, it's, it feels extremely mature. It's one of those odd, beautiful films that feels like, even if its target audience is seventh grade through high school, it's for everyone. Yes. Yeah, so when, when did you when this was your first time watching this yeah. movie, right? I saw this movie when I was 19 mm-hmm. uh, because um, like one of those companies like Redbox closed in in Spokane and one of my uh. roommates had uh, the DVD oh. and then left it at my house after they moved out. Oh, cool. And so I watched it not knowing what it was or what it was about. I saw Studio Ghibli was on it and I was like, great, love Totoro. I'm going to watch this. Yeah. And it blew me away mm-hmm. because I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. It was, I was expecting something, you know, silly and fun, which it is, but I was never expecting something with as much depth as this brings to the table. Right. And so I've probably seen it about eight times since then. Uh, Robin and I got to see it at OMSI when theaters were open. Cool. That was so cool. Um, except for these girls that were right next to us who were like, you know, every time something would happen, they'd, they'd do, they do that thing where they go, Aww. and it was just like, we're in the theater. Like people go to levels of hell. Can I just for say I miss that though? Cause I've been in lockdown for a year now. I'm like, I just want someone to react to things. This is, this is me being Abe a little bit from um, marvelous Miss Maisel, but what are you doing? These things, there's reasons why we've turned the lights off. We've, we've made social contract. I haven't seen that show. I don't know what you mean. Well, but the but the but, but you the know my you know. know my angst. Yeah, again, I just miss it. Like on I, a, I, no, I miss it an, too. In but. an ordinary year, I I too would feel the same way. But I'm just like, I need people making out next to me. I need people screaming. I need people yawning. I'm, I need I'm, people. I just need it all. I feel I a little miss bit people. of that too, for sure. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> um, but this this movie, like to all the boys, doesn't have a ton of depth. By the third movie, you do get some good insights about its characters, but it's not, it, it doesn't take the its own characters and its own storytelling that seriously. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, it's like Mean Girls does pretty much the same thing. It doesn't take it that seriously, but right. it's still a fun time. Sure. This, this movie is far more, like you said, in depth. My question is, do 13-year-old girls actually prefer Whisper of the Heart over to all the boys I loved before. Mm. This is a question I cannot answer. You're not a 13-year-old girl. No, I'm not. Okay. Sorry sorry to break the facade. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> that was me taking off my mask. Aha, I'm a bearded man. Oh, my. Uh, so what's the reason your, you asked this question. But what's your speculation of if the, if the, the characters in... It are, that's an interesting question. Are the characters in this movie going to enjoy a movie like this? I think these characters would. Yeah. I think I, she would be interested. Well, I think there's enough humans in this world that yes. Like this is a movie that I would have I would have watched so many times as a 13-year-old. Yeah. Much more so than uh to all the boys. But would would this, I, this feels like every single every single 
woman that I knew in the English department and most men that I knew in the English department would have found this movie to their liking. Cause right. I think it's speaks... English because they're smart and creative. I'm, I, I'm asking of uh, the communications, ma- not that I, the communication think... majors aren't smart. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. No, 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 no. But what they are is less romantic generally. But I, I, I think, yeah. I think very much this movie speaks to the young people who see the world in a way where they're like, ah, there's so much big and wonder out there. They're, they're like, they're the aerials of the world. They're the bells of the world. Um, where like the people who are going to like this movie are seventh graders through high schoolers who, who imagine a world better than the one that they're in. Right. They're idealists. I will be a more of a pessimist though and say the average seventh grader will probably think this movie is boring. It's definitely possible. Like I saw this when I was 19 and I would have liked it when I was 13, but I don't imagine many of my friends would have. Like if like when we were at Whitworth, I thought this was so striking. The the what is what's the guy who's in charge of bringing in the entertainment? Like he, they give him a budget. The dean of hip hop. <laughs> they give him a budget, and he gets to decide what our entertainment is that year. I never realized how much power that guy has. Oh my gosh! And yeah. I remember him one year. Uh, it, it's like a was different. This, was this a guy? It was a different person each year, but one year, oh, okay. whoever it was, blew the entire budget for that semester so we could bring out fun. And, oh yeah! And we were all like, worth it. All the pretty girls on Saturday night. Worth it. We don't need to see anyone Dude, else. You we and I went to that concert. That was great. Yeah. All right. That why did you great. bring that up? Oh well, the I think it was maybe it was a different year then. They <laughs> did well. They picked the concerts that would come in to town, uh-huh. but they also got to play movies before they were on home video. Sure. So there's this time between when movies are in theaters and then when they're not in theaters anymore, but they're not yet on home video. So they got to bring in these movies. So they brought in one week, they brought in the social network. Um, and then two weeks later they brought in tangled. And so when I went to see the social network, this was in the the big auditorium, the, the yeah. lecture hall, uh, there was like 15 of us. Mm. And I was like, I like was craning my neck. I'm like, one, two, three, F six. Yeah. Huh? Thought there'd be a bigger turnout. Well, I'm going to enjoy it. I think everyone else is missing out. Then I went to Tangled, standing room only at Tangled. And I'm like, really, guys? Really? We're in college, and this is this is the best we can do, is is have ample attendance to the Disney movie, but the smart drama, probably going to be best of the decade. Yes, best of the decade. No one wants to go to. And I feel like that's what this movie is, that it's the social network to the Tangled, where it's like, Whisper the Heart is so good and such good quality that I think would be overlooked by the average consumer. And again, that makes me like feels like I'm looking down on them. It's like, I just like from a marketing point of view, I just don't think it would appeal as much. This, this is the problem with, I mean, most dramas in general, uh, because we're doing a rom-com podcast and this movie is romantic and comedic at times and dramatic at times. It's, It's just a, it's the literature section, right? Yeah. Because like, this isn't a genre film necessarily. It's just, an everyday life movie. And those are the hardest to market because people aren't necessarily I'd say 90% of the audience is going to the movies is going to escape real life. Yeah. Right. 
And that doesn't mean that you can't do that in a movie like this, um, because like there is there's some escapism to her fantasy, but there's just some escapism for if you're not a 13 year old girl in Japan. And then even if you are, there's some escapism because this is a different story than your life. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of layers there. But I think marketing wise, you're right. This is a movie that I actually don't know if it did really great um, in in theaters, but I can imagine it's harder to market because you're not saying this exciting thing is happening. You're saying this really simple, beautiful, true thing is happening. Well, I think even if, if you had to like compare it to other studio Ghibli films, I think even like a film that's intended for an even younger audience is more exciting that my neighbor Totoro would be even more. I mean, there is a bigger legacy for my neighbor Totoro than there is for whisper the heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, Totoro is like the avatar for Ghibli in the first place, but I think that's the one. If I'm like, Hey, who's Miyazaki? They'd be like, Totoro is yeah. that thing. Yeah. They wouldn't be like whisper the heart written by Miyazaki. No, you know? no. Well, I mean, I mean, I, so I just looked up the box office worldwide gross for this. Give me a number, I guess. 20 million. Five hundred and eighty-five thousand. Oh, oh, yeah. Which I I know a lot of people who have seen this movie afterwards, and obviously it gets played nowadays. Yeah. out of like love and nostalgia, and people who like like Ghibli work, and then find this movie, and they're like, "This is great too. Why isn't it as popular?" Yeah, it's just a hard movie to market. I imagine. Yeah, it's it's literally targeted for people like me, and <laughs> I'm very unique. You're a <laughs> yeah. That was my CSI opening. Okay. Well, on that note, let's take a break. Sure. And then we're going to come back and we're going to go to Trope Talk. Great. And we're back. We are here for Trope Talk. It's like the sex talk, but not awkward. (laughs) All right. Pause, 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 pause. (laughs) Um, when was your sex talk? Oh, we talked about this on a few episodes ago. Oh, did we? Did I forget? Did I not listen to you? No, it was one of those things where it's like my dad started oh, talking yeah, yeah, yeah. and we like, did talk it's, about this. it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <sighs> I've derailed this from trope talk, but you know what? That's fine. It's fine. Because this movie doesn't really have a lot of tropes. No, <laughs> that's how original it is. There's no tropes going on in the first place. There's very few tropes. There's, there's kind of like the, I... It's, it's kind of just young love, but we kind of talked that to death already. Yep. What I would rather do for Trope Talk today is a game. Oh! Let's do it. Are, are you uh, ill communication right now? Uh, yeah, boy. Boisty boys. Boy. Well, okay. What, Ryan, welcome to Who's That Couple? <laughs> Ryan, do you remember Who's That Couple? It's been about 12 maybe 15 episodes since we've played um i'm supposed to say who a couple was in real life so what i'm gonna do is give you clues okay to a teenage couple oh in a movie Okay. And I'm okay. going to I like kind of yeah, yeah. I kind of kind of for for new time listeners. I'm just basically building out a set of clues, and Ryan's going to try to guess which movie and which couple this is. Okay. Okay. Ready? Are you ready? Yeah. <clears throat> First movie. This couple meets in a high school in class. Okay. He's a jock. 
She's a nerd. She's a gotta get those. She's like, a nerd. Okay, you know, it's two different worlds going. So we're doing tropes again. Yeah, yeah. She is from another country. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, sure. Okay. Sure. Nerd from another country. Now, remember, you only get one guess. Uh huh. Are you ready to guess? No. Okay. So, uh, and I have six clues here for you. He's a jock. Yeah, give me another one. She has the best, best friends. And he has the worst girlfriend. The worst girlfriend. Okay. And she's a nerd from another country. Yep. Nerd from another country. She's the best, best friends. She, he has the worst girlfriend. And, you know, she's... She's moved here from another country. Right, right, right. Right. Okay. 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 And so this is your last clue where you can keep your honor. Okay. Okay. She breaks bad before she breaks good. Ugh. I don't know what this voice is that I keep doing. (laughs) I like it. Well, it's not the breakfast club. I'm going to give you a hint. It's not to all the boys I loved before. It's not that. Not any of those. Uh, Do you want the last hint? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait. She is from another country. She's a nerd. Mm-hmm. Is it Mean Girls? It is. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, man. I feel bad that I didn't figure that. I was thinking French or German. Sure. I wasn't thinking South Africa. Well, yeah, and she's not technically South African. Call my assistant to set up a meeting. And by your assistant, you mean you with a British accent. I have a new assistant. She's a cool college student from South Africa. Yeah, she'll be British. Well, I, she's not even from South Africa. She's from... Um, that we were just, both being Kiwis just there. Yeah, I know. Terrible <laughs> Whoops. What Worst job ever. I apologize to Taika Waititi, the god saint of New, new Zealand. Zealand. Peter uh, Jackson's like... Whoa! Hey! Whoa! 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 Hey! Hey! Whoa. He's like he's like an old god. He's like a titan that yeah. Taika Waititi is like forced to kill in his trials. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, but that, yes, you brought this up, this movie up earlier, and so I was like, oh, it man. would be bad if I didn't figure that out. Uh, okay, so the last clue was she throws up on his shoes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Are you ready for your second couple? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> they meet at a party. Okay. Do you know it yet? Say anything. Um. He is obsessed with someone else before he sees her. Sure. Okay. Most teens do that. Yep. Third clue. She lives on the second story of her house. Say anything. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> can, we, can I try again? You can try again. Okay. Fourth clue. But this is still true for say anything, all these clues. It is, but it's going to, it's, it's not going to be in a second. Okay. <clears throat> Their parents do not approve of their relationship. Romeo and Juliet. It is. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, the balcony. Yeah. Which you also brought up Romeo and Juliet already. And so each one of these stupid movies that we've already talked oh, about sorry. today. Also, it's also Romeo plus Juliet. Yes. Well, this is Romeo plus Juliet in here. Yeah. Romeo plus Juliet. And um, the, the other. Romeo and Juliet is a couple, yeah, yeah. though. We don't like their friends. Oh, right, their right. friends aren't like, hey, Romeo plus Juliet. Hey, Romeo. Plus Juliet. Hey, that's your plus one. Equals death. That was my last clue. Um, <laughs> they die at the end. Yeah, that would be a good. One. Okay, so uh, last couple. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and this is just all media, by the way. When I do this, it's oh. not necessarily 
you know. Oh. Oh. Okay. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a famous couple though. Okay. You should know them. They meet on the ocean. On the ocean. I mean, they're not they're they're not Jesus moonwalking. Okay, on so the they're ocean. not standing on the water. No, they, no, no. They meet on a boat in the ocean. I'm just saying they meet they meet on the ocean. All right. Okay. <clears throat> she is his teacher. Oh. <laughs> okay. They're both teenagers, right? Uh huh. Okay. Their first kiss is on a submarine. On a submarine? On. Or in? On. On. Okay. He is best friends with her brother. I'm going to feel stupid if I don't get this. Keep going. Okay, this is your last clue. Okay. Together, they save the world. Submarine saves the world. Best friends with brother. Meets on the ocean. Meets on the ocean. She is his teacher. She is his teacher. At least for a time. Submarine? Submarine. (laughs) I know you've seen this too. It's not Raiders of the Lost Ark. No, they don't kiss. He's on a submarine in that. He's on it, but they don't kiss on it. Right. Right. She doesn't come with him. No. No. Okay. Well, actually, she's stolen, and then he chases her, and then somehow gets in the submarine. Do you have any other clues? I don't mind being embarrassed now. I mean, sure. Um, submarine? They're both basically magic. That. But. It. I, submarine. Okay. You want another clue? Because you're losing honor points. Like, you're, yeah, you're going into the right. negative. Left and right. Yeah, might as well. I think we give give me one more, and then I might just give up. Okay, one more clue. Their main mode of transportation is through the air. Is it Avatar? Yes. Ah! It's Aang and Katara from Avatar: The Last Airbender. Ah, they're both magic. Right, 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 right. Wait, it's been a while since I watched the pilot. Mm-hmm. What was the submarine clue? Well, that's that's when their first kisses f- is on the submarine. Oh, see, it's I'm right only... when they're atta- gonna attack the Fire Nation. I only watched the show once. I can't remember that specific. That okay. Uh, uh, Maybe you should watch the show again. Did I technically win? Yeah, you got two out of three, so I'll give it to you. With well, I think with I, slight honor loss. I think we tied at that point, just because you lost so much honor. I did lose so much honor, but. It just Did shows. you like that you lost honor on the Avatar clue? Makes me feel really bad, but it makes me, <laughs> you know, realize I need to rewatch Avatar. Yep. You need well, you need to watch Korra first, and then okay. you can you can go back and watch it. Cool. Let's um, talk about another anime. Oh yeah, let's uh, let's talk about a non-American anime. Yeah. Um. So Ryan, you seem to like this movie a lot. I did. Okay. Um. Can we? Where would you? Where would you put it in the Ghibli? echelon well it's hard because it stands apart from so many ghibli films the only one that i would say is even close to this movie in setting or kind of style is only yesterday which Mm -hmm. is another very down-to-earth story for me this is kind of in the middle of ghibli where it's really great because it's a ghibli film 
but it's like we we watched uh, you and I watched Castle in the Sky the other day. Yeah, I like this more than Castle in the Sky. <laughs> it's 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 not it's not as sorry. Let me try that one more time. <laughs> it's not as fantastical and it's not as exciting. But I like close knit stories about writers. It's it's like kind of made for me. It's a love story, and it's it's you get to go inside the head of a writer. I always love that in stories. Um, I just I think it's quiet and romantic and sweet, and it it very much knows that Seiji is pretentious. It very much knows that she is f- like it way too intense. Like these characters seem sculpted out of real seventh and eighth graders. Yeah, like, but treats them seriously and gives yeah, them dignity. Like it's 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 a very rare film. And so I like it a lot for that. I think in the Ghibli verse, I like You've only seen five Ghiblis, right? Six maybe? Yeah. Of uh, the ones I've watched, I like it more than Nausicaa. Whoa, that's a big that's a big Yeah thing to say. And I think in a certain sense, this is a more significant film than both Nausicaa and Castle in the Sky because those are both really fun sci-fi films, sci-fi fantasies. But this is one that kind of outdoes them in terms of like literateness mm-hmm. of just thoughtful character studies. Mm-hmm. But then when you get to Spirited Away and Mononoke, then it's just kind of like, whew, like human drama, right. fantasy, action. It's all there. It's it's like at that point in time, you're almost comparing Lord of the Rings to Two Weeks Notice. It's like, like these two movies shouldn't be compared side by side. Or kind of like... I think a better one is maybe this isn't fair, but Star Wars versus American Graffiti, because American Graffiti is written directed by George Lucas. Star yeah. Wars, yeah, is yeah, written yeah, directed. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that. And comparison. like American Graffiti is fun the way that Star Wars: A New Hope can be fun, mm-hmm. but it's not fun in an action way. It's just like American Graffiti. You're just watching teenagers like drive around Modesto, Sh- sure, and yeah. it's like this, this is a fun time, but it's also like really well-written, which Mm -hmm. is a miracle from George Lucas, who's one of the worst writers in Hollywood. (laughs) But simultaneously to that, he's one of the best writers in Hollywood because American Graffiti is, I think, is a masterpiece. Sure. So that's my my comparison. Okay. This is is the American Graffiti of Studio Ghibli. And I I think, I think very intentionally, this film, this film shares DNA with the more fantastical Ghibli movies. Like, if... uh, You've seen Howl's? Yeah. Probably yeah. a long time ago. Yeah, and Seiji's very Seiji, right? That's I mean, I mean. S- yeah, Seiji is very Howl. Um and like just the way that the cat like takes her hand when they're in the fantastic world. Yeah. And like they start flying. It's it's very Howl and Sophie from Howl and Sophie. Yeah. Or from Howl's. So, I feel like I had another point about comparing it to to all the boys. Well, let's take Seiji versus um, our Kavinsky, our stand-up man Peter Kavinsky. Whoa, 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 hey, 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 whoa, 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 hey, 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 what's going on? What's going on? Hey, your your lyrics kind of suck. Hey, 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 <laughs> Covey. I mean, because Covey's a writer too, right? Sure. I mean, she writes letters. I think Love she journals letters. a lot. Um, she's she's way into literature. I don't know if we we don't really get what she wants to. be be in life like she doesn't have dreams like that is that true like my initial thing is to say writer but she enjoys uh she enjoys romance writing 
Yeah. She re- she enjoys romance fiction. She, she I don't reads, know if she's going to write it. She reads and watches more than she writes. Yeah. Yeah. She she loves rom-coms and she loves romance books. But her compared to if we compare her to Shizuku, Shizuku actually they're not too dissimilar. I would just say that Shizuku kind of gives a crap about a lot like there's there's very few things that she cares a lot about and much to her detriment as a human not i mean not as a detriment but like like she doesn't mind being rebellious i would say lara jean is the opposite of rebellious Mm -hmm. and in rebellion there is conflict right Mm -hmm. and so that in the in the to all the boys verse um there's just such a lack of conflict embedded in the characters unless it's emotional conflict regarding to you know what does this guy think about me Right. Like, does this does this boy who I like that dated my sister like me? I don't know. Yeah, and that it gets at. I feel like Whisper of the Heart doesn't really exist within a genre. It's very like art house, where it's mm-hmm. just kind of like uh, slice of life stuff. Yeah. But to all the boys is like rom com. It's screwball comedy. It's, it's kind like, of coming of age. But I would say this one's more coming of age. Yeah, and like the screwball comediness of to the to all the boys movies, it feels a lot more like. Uh, formulaic, yeah, and again, formula is not bad. Mm-hmm. It's it's just you're you're on this roller coaster ride with to all the boys, but, but you're on a nature movie, walk with Whisper the Heart. Yeah, you don't know I keep, where things I are keep going. turning corners and being like, oh, Seiji's here. Like I didn't know you were. You're oh, you're Seiji. Okay, I mean it's not impossible to have guessed that he was Seiji, but then like finding out that he's the grandpa's son. Like there's just twists and turns. Yeah, um, but Seiji versus Peter Kavinsky. Uh, Kavinsky is a more like written out character from the sense of he's formulated to be a dreamboat and agreeable. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like a, a dream. He's literally just a dream guy. Like, and and even though Seiji is, is kind of like there for like falling in love and possibly getting married and that like you know, one day we're going to get married because we just fell in love kind of ridiculous sense. The, like, he has kind of a darkness about him that I appreciate. Yeah. Where he's not afraid of, he's like, he's like somebody on The Bachelor. He's not here to make friends. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But at the same time, he's kind. Like, Mm -hmm. he, he, you know, brings her her lunch. He, um... I don't know. He encourages her just like she encourages him. There's like a mutualness to their relationship that is very mature, even if they themselves are very immature humans. But they're not drawn like, like they're grownups. No, like they're still, no. they're still mature 14 year olds. And it's like breakfast club goes too far in having a character like Bender where it's like, boys can be bad. Um, <laughs> And like to all the boys are like, boys are perfect. (laughs) Yeah. And this is that perfect middle ground where, you know, it's not like, it's not like Seiji's doing drugs or it's not like he's, you know, helping walk old ladies across the street either. He's just kind of a a normal human who seems rather confident for a 14 year old. You know, because he teases her and it's just kind of like, that's the way he flirts with her. And it's like in retrospect... I wonder if he thinks, was that the best way to flirt with her? And it's, it's for him, he's probably like, no, nah, I got no regrets. But it's yeah. just kind of like one of those things where it's like, 
you could have been a little kinder to her. Like, right. But that's what makes him a human. Exactly. And that's why he's an interesting character. And same thing with her. Like there's this moment where she's pissed off at him because he's like slighted her twice and she goes all Elizabeth Bennett and she's like, I think I know who he is. It better not be him. Yeah. And she's, she sees him coming, like maybe walking with his dad, who's a teacher at the school. And she walks toward him and just very purposefully, like doesn't say hi to him. It's this very seventh grade moment where she's like, I'm not going to get caught standing here and being kind of embarrassed by him having control of the situation. I'm going to take control of the situation by walking at him. And it's a nothing move, but it feels so tense in this movie. Yeah. And it gets at all the flaws of what junior hires have, which are voluminous. And it, it reminds you when you're a grown up watching you're like, yeah, that's how it was. Yeah. Um, but it kind of, helps you feel less bad about being such a fuck up in junior high. Cause mm-hmm. you think about, you remember stuff from junior high and it's like, I can't believe I made so many mistakes in my interpersonal communication. And this movie's like, right. Everyone does that. Yeah. It's like, like, and, and there's even like where, where Seiji is overconfident and sometimes, sometimes a little mean. She is kind of insecure and reactive and I would call her lazy uh, like Miyazaki's one of one of my favorite interviews with him is like he's talking about Chihiro, who is a lazy girl um, from and, Spirited Away. From Spirited Away, and he's like, I think all thirteen-year-old girls are, you know, some sometimes feel a little bit lazy, and I love that about them. <laughs> and um, I think he wrote, like, if we if we compare her to like a, a Laura Jean, even though Laura Jean's a little older, and maybe she's going to become a little bit more like Laura Jean, like. Shizuku is lazy unless it's something that she wants to do. Like she doesn't want to clean her room. She doesn't want to make dinner. She doesn't want to pick up milk from the store. There's so many things that Shizuku just doesn't care about. But when it comes to something she's passionate about, she's a hundred percent in it, which makes, I mean, it makes her a writer, uh, but it makes her interesting. And a strangely good thing is that you could actually swap lives between Jihiro and Suzuki, Suzuki, Shizuku. You could have Shizuku star in Spirited Way. And you could have Chihiro star in Whisper the Heart, and I think you would still gain the same They'd, lessons learned. Right, they're different characters, though. But they, she could hold her own in a fantasy story if she had to like deal with dragons. Yeah, because and she's probably thought, and stuff. what would I do in this situation before? Yeah, yeah. And Chihiro would have the same thing because that's what's so great about all the Ghibli films is that Chihiro also feels like a young, a real young girl. Mm-hmm. And we would we would be interested in if no fantasy stuff was happening around Shihiro, we wouldn't want to learn about her because that's what I don't want to like get into a Spirited Away conversation. But like Spirited Away starts like a gentle drama where she's like moving away and she's starting a new school. And but we don't like the thing is the way we learn about a character in this movie is we actually get to see what her day to day life is. We get to see what she likes, what she doesn't like, what she's insecure about. And in Spirited Away, the only reason we like really learn anything about Shihiro is her trial by fire. Yeah. Like we we understand how she reacts to a new situation and that's it. Yeah. We know that she's like missing her old school because she has like some flowers and they mention it. Right. But that's it. We know that she's cautious because she doesn't want to go in this creepy place. She has instincts and then she like everything else we learn because of how she reacts to certain situations. This movie, it's full of reactions like that, but it's uh, a person reacting in a world they know. Yeah. Yeah. And what I also like is when you have a movie like Spirited Away that's like full fantasy film, it's kind of like 
cultural differences of like American upbringing versus Japanese upbringing are kind of irrelevant because it's like it's such a fantastical story where it's like, uh, yeah, I, I I don't eat ramen every day. You guys seem to have the most delicious food in the universe here. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this and Whisper the Heart, it's like, well, uh, aside from a couple little differences, this feels very universal. It's, it's still, even though you're a world away from me, it feels very relatable and very yeah, universal. Like Sajimura is, he's a, a little kid who like thinks that his sport is very interesting, even though he doesn't play it. He's just happy to be on the team kind of. Yeah. Um, but like all those, all those conversations that they have regarding love seem very real. Yeah. Like realistic. No, like in the sense that like they all have these crazy expectations, but realistic. Yes. In the fact that I've had those conversations. (laughs) Yeah. And it was one of those things where like when I was studying world cinema, I was kind of like, I didn't really go after Japanese cinema. Cause I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to relate to it. Cause it was always like Kurosawa films or like, um, Ozu films where it was like, their culture seems so different from mine. Mm-hmm. That I was like, I don't know. I don't, I just don't t- quite understand it. And I, I just feel like it'd be a lot of work. And I'm realizing I'm like, dude, you were missing out on so many good movies and it's really not that hard to yeah. understand. My, I, I had a, um, ethics professor who was talking about, um, like the difference between like colleges or even high schools, um, in Japan versus the United States at one point in time. And he was just pointing out that like, you reflect very much on the whole when you're in a class because Mm -hmm. like if you don't do your homework, it's kind of a, I don't know how true this is across the board or anymore even because I have not been a part of that culture, but the way he was describing it because he had taught there was that like, if you don't do your homework, you're reflecting poorly on your class. Whereas in the U S if you don't do your homework, you're reflecting poorly on yourself. Yeah. And it's something I don't like about American life is like, it's always about the individual. It's like, you guys, we're kind of in this together. <laughs> and I liked that we we kind of I I learned that as a 19-year-old a little bit from this movie mm-hmm. because like, you know, when they start talking about somebody from another class, it's like that's an entirely different world whereas their class is this one cohesive unit where they've known each other forever. Yeah. Right? And I'm also a kid who moved around a lot as a little kid, so I didn't really have that group of people that I knew forever growing up, but I don't know, there was something fascinating about it and something i wanted to experience more of and i just want to move to tokyo and eat all the ramen yeah it's a little bigger today i feel like the tokyo that miyazaki made in this movie is like the like late 70s early 80s tokyo yeah that's kind of what it feels like just because you know that all the huge buildings were at a distance mm-hmm. it felt very quiet feels most very of the time. just wistful storytelling it's it's a great movie yeah it's, it's great, great. so ryan since you love it so much, would you give it a, well, let me think about this. Are we giving this a best foreign film Oscar? No, we're just giving it a best rom-com Oscar. I'm giving it best foreign film. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, what does the Baron, is he an animal is he... He's an anthropomorphic... Like, what, what do you mean? When he's a statue or when he's, like, like in I her wanna, imagination? I want to gild the Baron with something. I want to give him an award. I want to... Oh. Because of what he contributes to this movie. Well, he's a... Like, he's a very fascinating character because he has... He has the story that he's given by the grandpa. 
He yeah. has his own like kind of weird personhood as just a statue being fascinating. And then like just in Chihiro's mind when she sees him, but then her, him as well as a character in her stories is also fascinating. Best. So weird. Best representative character. But let me clarify. Yeah. Well, I don't know what that means. You take a movie like my neighbor Totoro. Sure. That movie is represented by Totoro. Oh, so, right? so in this, like he, Totoro is the avatar for my neighbor Totoro. And yeah. for E.T., uh, E.T. is the avatar for E.T. So far, we have a bunch of uh, uh, titular characters. Jaws. All titular characters. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> but but you're saying that, like, when you think of this movie, you're going to be thinking of... The, the Baron. The Baron. Now, why is that special? Um, well, the Baron, I feel like, gives the movie its, like... If you didn't have the Baron and everything the Baron, like, inspires in her and what he means for the grandpa... I don't think it would be tied together as well. I think he ties I agree. The, the story together. So I want to award him for that. I think without that kind of romance, we wouldn't have had Shizuku half as interested in Seiji either. Yeah. Like, or at least the fire that was lit within her would be, it would just be sprung differently. Yeah. Not that she's sprung for him. Well, she kind of is, but. Well, let me go broader then. Let's just call it best supporting character. Yeah, he's a he's a really interesting character. Yeah, as, for being n- not real. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but you know, if you're voiced by Carrie Elwes, that's half the battle. Yeah, right, right. Like at that point in time, you're like fifty percent of my test is finished. I just have to film the answers I know. Just a little bit more. Um, that was good. So I don't know if there's a a name for this. Um, where a like let's say you're a sculptor. And you Let's say I'm a sculptor. I, I guess it's just meta um, might be the, the word. But like uh, if you were a sculptor, ugh, but then again, no. <laughs> uh, you can put not, the crickets sound effect there. Let's not go there. Um, <laughs> the uh, I'm, we're 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 over Moulin Rouge. Shell art is over. But let's say you're a sculptor and you are sculpting like a somebody sculpting something right and you know so in detail what it feels like to be a sculptor right and Mm -hmm. so you're crafting this piece of clay or you know wood whatever you're sculpting into something that you know so well Mm -hmm. i felt that miyazaki writing um shizuku is kind of doing that that same thing where he sees this himself in this, or at least the craft, the whatever it is that is within like artists and writers that says, I need to create something that just doesn't exist except within my imagination. And I, it's, it's a meta form of art that it doesn't annoy me. It's, it's something where it's like, when it's done well, it's beautiful because you're seeing like uh, even more of an insight into an artist than you usually would because Miyazaki is placing himself as writer inside this character. What is that? What oh, is that? well, just give it best autobiographical storytelling. I, I think it's a best creative nonfiction. It's not nonfiction, though. Well, it's still a story, but I would call oh, it. OK, I got it. Best imbuement personal it's not autobiography though but it's kind of it's 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 so inspired it's so personal best 
personal? Best personality? Personalization? Most personal. Most personal. I, I like I like best most personal. Best yeah, best most personal. Okay. Okay. I like um yeah, just cuz I I felt like her character was felt like it felt like somebody took a part of themselves mm-hmm. and just put them put in another the real person and said this is who I would be if I was you. Best most personal. Okay, well let me ask you a personal question. What? What what right, right here on the podcast? Yeah. Oh. Who'd you fall in love with? Oh. Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends. The truth of it is, I loved you from the first second I met you. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul. And I love, and love, and love you. I know. Uh, We have to basically say... In this scenario, we're fifteen, so it can't be creepy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like if if we sp- if I was fifteen, if I was fifteen, who would I fall in love with? If if I pick them, because the sister's cool. She seems like she's got her life together, and she's not too mean to her younger sister. She's just like trying to get her to be responsible. Not her parents. Like the dad seems, <laughs> the dad seems there, but like not there. <laughs> yeah, and I like how he actually handles the situation with his daughters. Dude, we didn't talk about this moment, but when the the mom, they're having this hard conversation with Shizuku and then the mom uh, looks over at the dad because he's just smoked a cigarette and she's like, honey. And he's, he's like, like oh, sorry. And he just goes, okay, yeah, I'm good. I'll put this out. He's great. I, I love that moment. But um, I think for me, I'm I'm going for Seiji. Yeah. Seiji to me, like, because I, I am Shizuku. Yeah. Right. And so like he is a different kind of craftsperson and I, I really like craftspeople. I like like their interests bring out inspiration in me. That's actually true of a lot of people. Like if I see somebody doing something beautiful, I'm like, I'm inspired to keep working myself. And I think he actually has far more kind bones in his body than uh, we get at the beginning of this film. And there's at one point in time when he comes back and he just goes and picks her up and he wants to bring her to this Vista, puts her on the back of his bike and he's like, I'm going to show you that I can carry us somewhere. And she's like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, go along with you and do work. I'm not going to just be taken along by you. And we get this like really great moment where she's like, no, I'm independent and with you. And I feel like I'm sagey a lot of the time in a relationship where I'm like, don't worry, I'll take care of it. And so I kind of admire that in him as well. Uh, So I'm going to say sagey. I think he's cool and charming as hell. I would say sagey too. Again, we are, we also are minors in this circumstance. We're not saying now. No, (laughs) no. We're saying what kind of person would we have crushes on? And I, I had crushes on people like Seiji. Um, Strong-willed, confident. Uh, it's, it was the gentle, like, creative part that's really quiet. Yeah. Like, my dream. Like, him carving a violin is utterly romantic. Yeah, and, and the girls I had crushes on, it wasn't so much I had crushes on girls. It was, like, I had crushes on girls I barely knew, and then I, like, uh, speculated who they were, you know, like, and, like she does what, with Seiji. Yeah, and just speculated what kind of life that they have. And I always just imagine them as introspective and thoughtful and gentle and soft, which is what Seiji is. Yeah, and when he's building violins, 
he's introspective. He's just just working away on something that's beautiful and it's a wonderful craft and it <laughs> just makes the world more beautiful. I like that he's also he's confident enough in himself to also be self-deprecating because she's like, which one of these violins is yours? And he points to one and he's like, that one over there. And she's like, oh, it's awesome. He's like, no, it sucks. No, it sucks. <laughs> and I don't know, there's like, imagine you liked a girl because we find out at the end of this movie that he's had a crush on her this whole time. Yeah. Imagine you liked a girl and you had her like come to your studio and would your first instinct in eighth grade or something been to like be like, nah, it's not as cool as you I think would it show is. off. I don't know about you. I would be like, yeah. I'm awesome. Check this out. I well, I I don't I don't even think I had the confidence to show off, but I definitely wouldn't have I wouldn't have been able to also be like, this sucks. Right, right. Like I would have just been so psyched that somebody was actually hanging out yeah, with I'd me. Yeah, be like, yeah, that's my violin. Whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you can hold it if you want to. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but for you, it's like your handmade drum set. That'd be cool. I went to Turkey and made these symbols. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did make it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I feel like there was this movie's complicated. There's a lot of moments that we did, probably didn't talk about, like, like the also the uh, the teacher that they're all friends with. Did you have a teacher who you as an eighth grader was just like, that's my teacher. She hangs out with us when we eat lunch. Because I think she's the librarian. I, uh, my band teacher, yeah, Mr. Kim, he was pretty cool. Like we went on this field trip where it was like uh, six or seven of us and we had to go uh, on a field trip to other elementary schools to like show off like our instruments and be like, mm-hmm. you should join band when you go to junior high. <laughs> you were, you were like headhunting as a band. Yeah. <laughs> we were basically recruiting and like, that's how I got recruited was at the, this assembly where people band would like. Band is a cult. Yeah. You know, like the trumpet player would come up. He's like, I'm a trumpet player. You can do this. And the clarinet player is like, I can do this. Ah, flautist, I can do this. But the coolest guy in the room was the one playing the drums. Come on. Is that how you got sucked in? Yeah. I was like, this is awesome. Do you have a cool haircut? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. But I remember, like, we were waiting at one elementary school to go in, and me and Mr. Kim just talked about classic rock for a while. And he's like, you listen to Yes and Rush? I'm like, hell yeah, I listen to Yes and Rush. He's like, okay, let's not say hell yeah, but cool. <laughs> um, I didn't have one, but I always wanted one. Like, I went to the smallest of smallest elementary schools, um, and when I was in eighth grade, all I wanted was, like, a cool older person who also could, like, mentor me in a way. And I feel like that's what this lady must be. But anyway, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff we didn't talk about, and if there's, like, a favorite scene that you had, please write in. Let us know. Maybe there's something that, like, is just golden and shiny and you want to shout out on the show. Did you have letters for me? I Yeah, we actually have two letters. Hey, Flo. Huh? Mail come. Got mail for you. Oh, Pete, you've got mail. You sent me a letter. You've got mail. Okay. So first letter is uh, from Rachel. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Um, the uh, She had some stuff to say about your opinions specifically on um, Moulin Rouge. Before we get into it, I do want to say, on the one hand, I feel a little bad that I was so impassioned about being so spiteful towards Moulin Rouge, and I'm a little sorry for it. But on the other hand, I just kind of want to double down and be like, no, if that's me, that's me. But I do feel a little bit like Andy Dwyer after punching the wall and be like, that was an overreaction. 
Um, I will say here, we'll quote one thing that she said. Okay. How about that? Well, she talked about a lot of stuff, but, um, I think there was something that you and I both agreed on, um, when we were trying to rewrite the story and make the Duke a, like, how interesting would it be if he was an actual romantic rival? Right. Right. Which I stand by. I think it would be an interesting take on this. Uh, but what she said was, I think we have to hate the Duke. He has to be a bad singer and a bad actor and just gross. Otherwise, we're just redoing Romeo and Juliet. I don't know who Juliet was supposed to be interested in. Was that Mercutio? I don't well, think so. Any other boy in Romeo and Juliet is kind of what we were talking about. Right. That they'd okay. be more realistically drawn. Um, and also, I think the point is that we, uh, as an audience, have to really not want Nicole Kidman to be sleeping with this guy. If he was a nice guy or just a normal guy, we would be kind of like, grow up, Christian. But we, as an audience, are so repulsed by everything about the image of the Duke that we're like, please, God, Boz, don't make Nicole Kidman have to sleep with that horrible guy before she dies too of yeah. TB. And, you know, that's a good point because I I still think it would be interesting to have this plot rewritten in the way that we were talking about. But he's a very hateable character. And I, I also think that that was Boz's intention. There's also something kind of uh, genetically instinctual about us where we're like, he's so gross. Like, yeah. we don't want that to be continued in a lineage. It's, like, it's the just, way his hair is combed, the way his mustache is, the way his voice sounds, just everything. just don't like him. Yeah. He, he's excited by frogs in a weird way. And... Yeah. It's like he's, oh, now he's touching it in a weird way? <laughs> and I and I proffered, well, what if, like, we can hate him, but what if he was even more villainous, like a Ramsay Bolton from Game of Thrones? But it'd be like, that would be way too much. Like, this story is already intense. Well, I mean, at that point in time, you're just combining him and his hitman. Yeah, I don't know if that would even make it better. I think Rachel's on to something. I think I think I think she saw it the way that Boz wanted people to see it. And we yeah. and I just obviously didn't see it the way he wanted me to see it. I'm and I'm kind of in between where I saw it that way and it's you know, I think it's fine the way it is, but I also think um I like villains who have an interest to them. Granted, I also like villains like Darth Vader who for the first two movies are it's just period. terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, Rachel. Um, we also have one more letter, and it's not really a letter, but it's a review. Um, I'm just going to put this out there. If anybody gives us a review, I'm going to put it on the show. This is a dangerous concept, this promise that I have made. But, but what greater way to confess your love to someone else in the world is confessing it to us first and then we get to read it for you oh crap so yeah. if you want to like if, if propose you, to your boyfriend or something if you listen helpful if you listen to this podcast and you're in love with someone and you want them to know it and you also get them to listen to this podcast write a review write a write a love letter in a review i'll read it yeah like that this is you you, you want to make this commitment right yeah definitely <laughs> okay so this is from b sloths think it's five stars thanks b sloths um, they said, I just discovered Ryan and Kelly through their guest episode of P.S. I Love Rom-Coms. Hey, thanks, P.S. I Love Rom-Coms. Thanks, P.S. I Love Rom-Coms. That was so much fun. Go check it out. I don't think we've called it out on the podcast yet. Here we are. We Go this. to P.S. I Love Rom-Coms. You're on your phone right now. You're on your podcast app. Yeah, Ali and Mia are great. They're Search comedians and actors. They're fantastic. They're really cool. Um... They are so well-spoken and dig deep into each movie in such interesting ways. I love that they are also fans of Erison Carlson's I'll Have What She's Having. Very good book. It's a good book. 
I was surprised that they gave Annie a pass for stalking in Sleepless in Seattle, but pointed it out as a problem in While You Were Sleeping. But their arguments were so convincing that I realized and I uh, that I realized and I agreed with them and I agreed with them. Uh, I'm looking forward to listening to their back episodes and getting opinions on some of my favorite movies. So that's very Great. nice. Thanks, B Sloth. Thank you. I, I wonder if it is a sloth. Do you think a sl- like imagine a sloth typing a review? That's on too their- long of a review for a sloth to do. But with those big nails and it's like click. So really, if this was a sloth and it took you five hours to write that review, thank Way you so go. much. That, that, that that's commitment. dedication. That is love. That is what we're looking for on this podcast. Well, where can people find us? People can find us at romcomgents at either Facebook or Instagram. You can also write us an email, romcomgents at gmail.com. Is that email? You can check us out on Patreon. If you're like, I got to get more of that bonus content, it's patreon.com backslash romcomgents. Um, you can also find us at our house in... Oregon. That was so weird. I saw this like blurry image over your mouth. Like yeah, I can't it's, see it's a, what it's, it's a saying. new skill I've, I've picked up. Well, Kelly, my love for you is tantamount to the love of a good, well-built violin. Oh man. I didn't know where that was going, Neither did but I. I'm so glad it landed there. I eventually landed. I was up in the air and I came down gently. Well, Ryan, thank you. And I, I do love you. In fact, I love you. I think would would you want to get married to me one day? Yeah! Yay! <clears throat> and this is where we will say a goodbye. Wait, 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 wait. Stop, stop. Turn turn off the music. Turn turn it off. Turn it off. Turn it off. Uh Kelly and I realized after we finished recording this that we didn't pick the next episode. So we did it. We did it behind closed doors and didn't record it. So uh, Kelly randomly selected for me out of all of the Blu-rays on my shelf. He picked Mean Girls um, because I gave him a number and he counted off from some arbitrary Blu-ray to that one. So it's Mean Girls next week. So Caddy Heron from South Africa. All right. (laughs) Take it away, boys. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe. See you next week on the Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms.